Story twelve of the Grim Smile of the Five Towns by Arnold Bennett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story twelve: The Death of Simon Fuge, Part Two. Four. The drawing room was about twice as large as the dining room, and it contained about four times as much furniture. Once again, there were books all around the walls. A grand piano, covered with music, stood in a corner, and behind was a cabinet full of bound music. Mr. Brindley, seated on one corner of the bench in front of the piano, cut the leaves of the Symphonia Domestica. "'It's the devil,' he observed. "'Aye, lad,' agreed Mr. Colcolo, standing over him. "'It's difficult.' "'Come on,' said Mr. Brindley, when he had finished cutting." "'Better take your dust-coat off, hadn't you?' Mrs. Brindley suggested to the friend. She and I were side by side on a sofa at the other end of the room. "'I may as well,' Mr. Coquelo admitted, and threw the long garment onto a chair. "'Look here, Bob, my hands are stiff with steering.' "'Don't find fault with your tools,' said Mr. Brindley, and sit down. "'No, my boy, I'm going to play the top part. Shove along.' "'I want to play the top part because it's easiest,' Mr. Coquelo grumbled. How often have I told you the top part is never easiest? Who do you suppose is going to keep this symphony together, you or me? Sorry, I spoke. They arranged themselves on the bench, and Mr. Brindley turned up the lower corners of every alternate leaf of the music. Now, said he, ready? Letter zip, said Mr. Coquelo. They began to play and then the door opened and a servant whose white apron was starched as stiff as cardboard came in carrying a tray of coffee and unholy liqueurs which she deposited with a rattle on a table near the hostess curse muttered mr brindley and stopped life's very complex ain't it bob mr coquelo murmured ay lad the host glanced round to make sure that the rattling servant had entirely gone now start again wait a minute wait a minute cried mrs brindley excitedly i'm just pouring out mr loring's coffee there as she handed me the cup she whispered we daren't talk it's more than our place is worth the performance of the symphony proceeded to me who am not a performer it sounded excessively brilliant and incomprehensible mr coquelo stretched his right hand to turn over the page and fumbled it another stoppage damn you all mr brindley exploded i wish you wouldn't make yourselves so confoundedly busy leave the turning to me it takes a great artist to turn over and you're only a blooming chauffeur we'll begin again sackcloth mr coquelo whispered i could not estimate the length of the symphony but my impression was one of extreme length halfway through it the players both took their coats off there was no other surcease what dost think of it bob asked mr coquelo in the weird silence that reigned after they had finished they were standing up and putting on their coats and wiping their faces i think what i thought before said mr brindley it's childish it isn't childish the other protested it's ugly but it isn't childish it's childishly clever mr brindley modified his description he did not ask my opinion coffee's cold said mrs brindley i don't want any coffee give me some chartreuse please have a drop of green ole a split soda be more in my line besides i'm just going to have my supper never mind i'll have a drop missus and chance it i've never tried chartreuse as an appetizer 
at this point commenced a sanguinary conflict of wills to settle whether or not i also should indulge in green chartreuse i was defeated besides the chartreuse i accepted a cigar never before or since have i been such a buck i must hook it said mr coquelo picking up his dust coat not yet you don't said mr brindley i've got to get the taste of that infernal strauss out of my mouth we'll play the first movement of the g minor la 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 he whistled a phrase mr coquelo obediently sat down again to the piano the mozart was like an idol after a farcical melodrama they played it with an astounding delicacy through the latter half of the movement i could hear mr brindley breathing regularly and heavily through his nose exactly as though he were being hypnotized i had a tickling sensation in the small of my back a sure sign of emotion in me the atmosphere was changed what a heavenly thing i exclaimed enthusiastically when they had finished mr brindley looked at me sharply and just nodded in silence well good-night all i say said mr coquelo if you've nothing doing later on bring mr loring round to my place will you come mr loring do us'll have a drink these five town people certainly had a simple sincere way of offering hospitality that was quite irresistible one could see that hospitality was among their chief and keenest pleasures we all went to the front door to see mr coquelo depart homewards in his automobile the two great acetylene headlights sent long glaring shafts of light down the side street mr coquelo throwing the score of the symphonia domestica into the tonneau of the immense car put on a pair of gloves and began to circulate round the machine tapping here screwing there as chauffeurs will then he bent down in front to start the engine by the way all mr brindley shouted from the doorway it seems simon fuge is dead we could see the man's stooping form between the two headlights he turned his head towards the house who the dagger is simon fuge he inquired there's about five thousand fuges in the five towns oh i thought you knew him i might and i mightn't it's not one of them fuge brothers sagger makers at longshaw is it no it's uh, mr coquelo had succeeded in starting his engine and the air was rent with gunshots he jumped lightly into the driver's seat well I'll see you later he cried and was off persuading the enormous beast under him to describe a semicircle in the narrow street backing forcing forward and backing again to the accompaniment of the continuous fusillade at length he got away drew up within two feet of an electric tram that slid bumping down the main street and vanished round the corner a little ragged boy passed crying signal extra and mr brindley hailed him what is mr coquelo i asked in the drawing-room manufacturer sanitary ware said mr brindley he got one of the best businesses in hambridge i wish i'd half his income never buys a book you know he seems to play the piano very well well as to that he doesn't what you may call play but he's the best sight reader in this district bar me i never met his equal when you come across any one who can read a thing like the domestic symphony right off and never miss his place you might send me a telegram coco's got a steinway wish i had mrs brindley had been looking through the signal 
i don't see anything about simon fuge here said she oh nonsense said her husband buchanan's sure to have got something in about it let's look he received the paper from his wife but failed to discover in it a word concerning the death of simon fuge dashed if i don't ring buchanan up and ask him what he means here's a paper with an absolute monopoly in the district and brings in about five thousand a year clear to somebody and it doesn't give the news there never is anything but advertisements and sporting results in the blessed thing he rushed to his telephone which was in the hall or rather he did not rush he went extremely quickly with aggressive footsteps that seemed to symbolize just retribution we could hear him at the telephone hello no yes is that you buchanan well i want mr buchanan is that you buchanan uh, yes i'm all right what in thunder do you mean by having nothing in tonight about simon fuge's death eh yes the cassette well i suppose you aren't scotch for nothing why the devil couldn't you stop in scotland and edit papers there then a laugh ah oh, i see yeah, yes what do you think of those cigars ah see you at dinner ta-ta a final ring the real truth is he wanted some advice as to the tone of his obituary notice said mr brindley coming back into the drawing-room he got it seemingly he says he's writing it now for to-morrow he didn't put in the mere news of the death because it was exclusive to the gazette and he's been having some difficulty with the gazette lately as he says to-morrow afternoon will be quite soon enough for the five towns it isn't as if simon fuge was a cricket match so now you see how the wheels go round mr loring he sat down to the piano and began to play softly the castle motif from the nibelung's ring he kept repeating it in different keys what about the mumps wife he asked mrs brindley who had been out of the room and now returned oh i don't think it is mumps she replied they're all asleep good he murmured still playing the castle motif talking of simon fuge i said determined to satisfy my curiosity who were the two sisters what two sisters that he spent the night in the boat with on ilum lake was that in the gazette i didn't read all the article he changed abruptly into the sword motive which he gave with a violent flourish and then he left the piano i do beg you not to wake my children said his wife your children must get used to my piano said he now then what about these two sisters i pulled the gazette from my pocket and handed it to him he read aloud the passage describing the magic night on the lake i don't know who they were he said probably something tasty from the hambridge empire we both observed a faint amused smile on the face of mrs brindley the smile of a woman who has suddenly discovered in her brain a piece of knowledge rare and piquant i can guess who they were she said in fact i'm sure who annie brett and uh, you know who what down at the tiger certainly hush mrs brindley ran to the door and opening it listened the faint fretful cry of a child reached us there you've done it i told you you would she disappeared mr brindley whistled and who is annie brett i inquired look here said he with a peculiar inflection would you like to see her i should i said with decision well come on then we'll go down to the tiger and have a drop of something and the other sister i asked 
the other sister is mrs oliver coclo he answered curious isn't it and again there was that swift scarcely perceptible phenomenon in his eyes five we stood at the corner of the side street and the main road and down the main road a vast white rectangular cube of bright light came plunging its head rising and dipping at express speed and with a formidable roar mr brindley imperiously raised his stick the extraordinary box of light stopped as if by a miracle and we jumped into it having splashed through mud and it plunged off again bump 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 into the town of bursley as mr brindley passed into the interior of the car he said laconically to two men who were smoking on the platform i'll do jim i'll do joe and they responded laconically i'll do bob i'll do bob we sat down mr brindley pointed to the condition of the floor cheerful isn't it he observed to me shouting above the din of vibrating glass our fellow passengers were few and unromantic perhaps half a dozen altogether on the long shiny yellow seats of the car each apparently lost in gloomy reverie it's the advertisements and notices in these cars that are the joy of the superman like you and me shouted mr brindley look there passengers are requested not to spit on the floor simply an encouragement to lie on the seats and spit on the ceiling isn't it wear only noble's wonderful boots suppose we did unless they came well up over the waist we should be prosecuted but there's no sense of humour in this district greengrocers shops and public-houses were now flying past the windows of the car it began to climb a hill and then halted here we are ejaculated mr brindley and he was out of the car almost before i had risen we strolled along a quiet street and came to a large building with many large lighted windows evidently some result of public effort what's that place i demanded oh that's the wedgwood institution oh so that's the wedgwood institution is it yes commonly called the wedgwood museum reading room public library dirtiest books in the world i mean physically art school science school i've never explained to you why i'm chairman of the management committee have i well it's because the institution is meant to foster the arts and i happen to know nothing about em i needn't tell you that architecture literature and music are not arts within the meaning of the act not much like to come in and see the museum for a minute you'll have to see it in your official capacity to-morrow we crossed the road and entered an imposing portico just as we did so a thick stream of slouching men began to descend the steps like a waterfall of treacle mr brindley they appeared to see but evidently i made no impression on their retinas they bore down the steps hands deep in pockets sweeping over me like fate indeed when i bounced off one of them to a lower step he showed by no sign that the fact of my existence had reached his consciousness simply bore irresistibly downwards the crowd was absolutely silent at last i gained the entrance hall it's closing time for the reading-room said mr brindley i'm glad i survived it i said the truth is said he that people who can't look after themselves don't flourish in these latitudes but you'll be acclimatized by to-morrow see that 
he pointed to an alabaster tablet on which was engraved a record of the historical certainty that mr gladstone opened the institution in eighteen sixty eight also an extract from the speech which he delivered on that occasion what do you think of gladstone down here i demanded in my official capacity i think that these deathless words are the last utterance of wisdom on the subject of the influence of the liberal arts on life and i should advise you in your official capacity to think the same unless you happen to have a fancy for having your teeth knocked down your throat i see i said not sure how to take him lest you should go away with the idea that you have been visiting a rude and barbaric people i'd better explain that that was a joke as a matter of fact we're rather enlightened here the only man who stands a chance of getting his teeth knocked down his throat here is the ingenious person who started the celebrated legend of the man and dog fight at hambridge it's a long time ago a very long time ago but his gray hairs won't save him from horrible tortures if we catch him we don't mind being called immoral we're above a bit flattered when london newspapers come out with shocking details of debauchery in the five towns but we pride ourselves on our manners i say acid his voice rose commandingly threateningly to an old bent bespeckled man who was ascending a broad white staircase in front of us sir the man turned don't turn the lights out yet in the museum uh, no sir are you coming up the accents were slow and tremulous yes i have a gentleman here from the british museum who wants to look around the oldish man came deliberately down the steps and approached us then his gaze beginning at my waist gradually rose to my hat from the british museum he drawled i'm sure i'm very glad to meet you sir i'm sure it's a very great honour he held out a wrinkled hand which i shook mr acid said mr brindley by way of introduction been caretaker here for pretty near forty years ever since it opened sir said acid we went up the white stone stairway rather a grandiose construction for a little industrial town it divided itself into doubling curving flights at the first landing and its walls were covered with pictures and designs the museum itself a series of three communicating rooms was about as large as a pocket handkerchief quite small i said i gave my impression candidly because i had already judged mr brindley to be the rare and precious individual who is worthy of the high honour of frankness do you think so he demanded quickly i had shocked him that was clear his tone was unmistakable it indicated an instinctive involuntary protest but he recovered himself in a flash that's jealousy he laughed all you british museum people are the same then he added with an unsuccessful attempt to convince me that he meant what he was saying of course it is small it's nothing simply nothing yes i had unwittingly found the joint in the armour of this extraordinary midland personage with all his irony with all his violent humour with all his just and unprejudiced perceptions he had a tenderness for the institution of which he was the dictator he loved it he could laugh like a god at everything in the five towns except this one thing he would try to force himself to regard even this with the same lofty detachment 
but he could not do it naturally i stopped at a case of wedgwood ware marked perkins collection by jove i exclaimed pointing to a vase what a body he was enchanted by my enthusiasm funny you should have hit on that said he old daddy perkins always called it his ewe lamb thus spoken the name of the greatest authority on wedgwood ware that europe has ever known curiously impressed me i suppose you knew him i questioned considering that i was one of the pallbearers at his funeral and caught the champion cold of my life what sort of a man was he outside wedgwood ware he wasn't any sort of a man he was that scourge of society a philanthropist said mr bentley he was an upright citizen and two thousand people followed him to his grave i'm an upright citizen but i have no hope that two thousand people will follow me to my grave you never know what may happen i observed smiling no he shook his head if you undermine the moral character of your fellow citizens by a long course of unbridled miscellaneous philanthropy you can have a funeral procession as long as you like at the rate of about forty shillings a foot but you'll never touch the great heart of the enlightened public of these boroughs in any other way do you imagine any one cared a tuppenny dam for perkins wedgwood ware it's like that everywhere i said well, i suppose it is he assented unwillingly who can tell what was passing in the breast of mr brindley i could not at least i could not tell with any precision i could only gather vaguely that what he considered the wrong-headedness the blindness the lack of true perception of his public was beginning to produce in his individuality a faint trace of permanent soreness i regretted it and i showed my sympathy with him by asking questions about the design and construction of the museum a late addition to the institution of which i happened to know that he had been the architect he at once became interested and interesting although he perhaps insisted a little too much on the difficulties which occur when original talent encounters stupidity he did as he walked me up and down contrive to convey to me a notion of the creative processes of the architect in a way that was in my experience entirely novel he was impressing me anew and i was wondering whether he was unique of his kind or whether there existed regiments of him in this strange parcel of england now you see this girder he said looking upwards that's surely something of fuges isn't it i asked indicating a small picture in the corner after he had finished his explanation of the functions of the girder as on the walls of the staircase and corridors so on the walls here there were many paintings drawings and engravings and of course the best were here in the museum the least uninteresting items of the collection were speaking generally reproductions in monotent of celebrated works and a few second or third-rate loan pictures from south kensington aside from such matters i had noticed nothing but the usual local trivialities gifts from one citizen or another travel jottings of some art master careful daubs of apt students without a sense of humour the aspect of the place was exactly the customary aspect of the small provincial museum as i have seen it in a half a hundred towns that are not among the great towns 
it had the terrible trite museum aspect the aspect that brings woe and desolation to the heart of the stoutest visitor and which seems to form part of the purgatorio of bank holidays wide mouths and stiff clothes the movement for opening museums on sundays is the most natural movement that could be conceived for if ever a resort was invented and foreordained to chime with the true spirit of the british sabbath that resort is the average museum i ought to know i do know but there was the incomparable wedgwood ware and there was the little picture by simon fuge i am not going to lose my sense of perspective concerning simon fuge he was not the greatest painter that ever lived or even of his time he had i am ready to believe very grave limitations but he was a painter by himself as all fine painters are he had his own vision he was unique he was exclusively preoccupied with the beauty and the romance of the authentic the little picture showed all this it was a painting unfinished of a girl standing at a door and evidently hesitating whether to open the door or not a very young girl very thin with long legs and black stockings and short white untidy frock thin bare arms the head thrown on one side and the hands raised and one foot raised in a wonderful childish gesture the gesture of an undecided fox terrier the face was an infant's face utterly innocent and yet simon fuge had somehow caught in that face a glimpse of all the future of the woman that the girl was to be he had displayed with exquisite insolence the essential naughtiness of his vision of things the thing was not much more than a sketch it was a happy accident perhaps in some day's work of simon fuge's but it was genius when once you had yielded to it there was no other picture in the room it killed everything else but wherever it had found itself nothing could have killed it its success was undeniable indestructible and it glowed somberly there on the wall a few splashes of colour on a morsel of canvas and it was simon fuge's unconscious proud challenge to the five towns it was simon fuge at any rate all of simon fuge that was worth having masterful imperishable and not merely was it his challenge it was his scorn his aristocratic disdain his positive assurance that in the battle between them he had annihilated the five towns it hung there in the very midst thereof calmly and contemptuously waiting for the acknowledgment of his victory which said mr brindley oh, that one yes i fancy it is he negligently agreed uh, yes it is it's not signed i remarked oh, it ought to be said mr brindley and then he laughed too late now how did it get here don't know oh i think mr perkins wanted in a raffle at a bazaar and then hung it here he did as he liked here you know i was just going to become vocal in its praise when mr brindley said that thing under it is a photograph of a drinking cup for which one of our pupils won a national scholarship last year mr ackett appeared in the distance i fancy the old boy wants to be off to bed mr brindley whispered kindly 
so we left the wedgwood institution i began to talk to mr brindley about music the barbaric attitude of the five towns towards great music was the theme of some very lively animadversions on his part end of part two